because they would have rolling blackouts um, because of the shortage of natural gas because people kept bombing the pipeline between Israel and Egypt. That's where Egypt gets their natural gas. So we had more than one service in the dark because we met worshiped at night and uh, no sound and all of that and outdoors. And so it was always a challenge. So I'm thankful for God because I remember those times. My voice doesn't always hold out real well. Well, we are in our second message in Malachi. If you want to turn to Malachi 1, we'll begin at verse 6 in a moment. But first, now that we're past the holidays, maybe it's fresh enough in your mind. So anyway, how many of you Thanksgiving or Christmas had a, had a butterball turkey? Well, you guys do not like butterball turkeys. How many had a turkey, period? How many went out and shot a turkey? I have a few of those. So, Well, anyway, you know Butterball is kind of the name that used to be, at least, that not based on what you didn't raise your hands. Uh, anyway, that often were the name known for turkey. So anyway, so it's the holiday time, early, mid-November, and Butterball turkey company sets up a a hotline for how to cook a turkey. You can call in and they will tell you and give you some directions on how to cook one of their turkeys. So a woman calls in and she's asking, how could I cook a turkey that's been in my freezer for 23 years? (laughs) And the Butterby Golf, anyway, Butterball guy says, Well, yes, if the freezer, the whole 23 years, if the freezer's been at 15 below zero or around and kept that the entire 23 years, then yes, it's probably will be safe to eat. However, it's not going to taste very good. It's really not going to be of any kind of a flavor quality. And the woman, the caller replied, that's what I thought. I guess we'll just give the turkey to the church. Now, unfortunately, that's kind of the thing, the attitudes that we're going to talk about today. Malachi addresses a similar attitude in this passage that we're going to be doing, an attitude in people and leaders who approached God half-hearted. So, hence, no strings attached is the name of this message, and serving, worshiping, really just approaching God. Those who approach and serve God with strings attached is Malachi's theme for this passage. So Malachi chapter 1, verse 6, we'll start with the first half. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. Now, to honor God, the word honor in Hebrew literally means heavy. And that's the kind of the idea is, is God's presence weighty in your life? Or just kind of fluffy and and light and just kind of fritters away? Is God's presence in your life heavy? Do you give him proper weight? God does not want to be one priority among your many priorities. He wants to be the central focus of your life. He wants to be the priority in which everything flows. He wants to have his proper weight. 
So God's honor makes him heavy in our life. And respect, they use that word, which is a reverential awe. So if we have a casual attitude about God, kind of fit him in when we get a chance, then God's saying, you're not really giving me honor. You're not really giving me the reverential awe. And so when we serve, which is my major application for this passage, serving, when you serve and you attach strings to your serving, then you're disrespecting God. Because serving is a key way that we worship God, that we approach God in many ways, serving being one of those. So let's look on. Verse 6, the last half. It is you, O priests, who show contempt for my name. So there's a dialogue that goes on in this passage. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? They're stunned. God answers, you placed defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? God answers by saying that the Lord's table is, con- is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled and diseased animals, is that not wrong? The people were supposed to, you remember what they were supposed to bring to their offering, to their sacrifice? From their herd, firstborn, unblemished animal. And they are bringing diseased, crippled animals, animals they're not going to be able to sell in the marketplace or animals are not going to produce what they need to produce. And so we figure, eh, it's good enough for God. The priests were offering defective animals to God, not something where it's your firstborn unblemished, where it's going to take a sacrifice to offer that animal as a, a way of worshiping God, to say, you've forgiven my sins and I worship you, God. They didn't want to sacrifice so much. They didn't really want to have to be totally devoted But God is saying that's not right to give defective animals. So instead of giving God the best, the honor, the respect, we could say really they're giving God their leftovers. You ever give God leftovers? Okay, here's a little leftover time. Here's some leftover money. Do you think that when Jesus in the New Testament or Paul said give the first fruits, in other words, before you pay all your bills, if you got anything left, you might give a a tip to God. He's saying, give out of the first fruits because that's the same attitude that's in the Old Testament that we do it with sacrifice. We give God our best. But they didn't really want to give up much back then. After all, isn't a little offering better than no offering at all? Well, not in God's mind. Serving is first and foremost and giving is first and foremost a matter of our heart, is it not? And so Malachi is addressing this. Serving is a matter of the heart. So today we don't bring animal sacrifices to approach God, although Joan and Pete, if you want to bring one of your your hogs, you know, we'd be happy to sacrifice it for you. About July, you know, we'll fire up the barbecue, put the apple in. Could you bring the apple to put in the pig's mouth too? And But we don't bring animals, do we? But here's what Hebrews 13, verse 15 and 16 says. Let us continue, continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. 
Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So a sacrifice of praise to God. So here's the first point, and that's going to be most of the sermon. Half-hearted serving dishonors God. So that's kind of a theme, but we'll at the very end kind of have a the opposite of that, what wholehearted serving looks like. But half-hearted serving dishonors God because God kind of becomes an afterthought. We don't think about God first. So half-hearted responses are like, and this would apply to serving the application, I'm too busy doing other things. I can't serve. I already paid my dues. It's someone else's turn. I served some years ago, and it made me exhausted. Serving cuts into my much-needed leisure time. But serving isn't a duty. It's a way we worship God, according to Malachi. So half-hearted serving dishonors God. Verse 8, Malachi 1, Try offering them these defiled sacrifices to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now implore God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he, the governor, accept you, says the Lord Almighty? In other words, you'll give a whole lot more to government, to secular government, to uh, a job, and then God, he comes down the priority list a little, so we don't have to give him our best. We'll save that for what we keep for ourselves or give where we really have to. It would be like paying your taxes with counterfeit money. Imagine that, sending a hot check into the IRS, giving them some, some money that, you know, monopoly money in, in your, with your tax return here in a few months. So why offer leftover pieces of yourself to God? Well, some of us say, well, you know, God is gracious. We talked about that in Sunday school. God in his grace will forgive us and accept us. And, you know, we just are based on grace. So we really don't have to do all that. But we give to God on our terms and we still expect God to bless. Kind of like our opening story. It doesn't really matter if it's not that good. It's just the church. We're not giving God our best, are we? When we have those attitudes. So that's an example number one under half-hearted serving is giving God your leftovers. Here's another example. There's a little boy, and so, you know, it's kind of getting toward night, but he goes out in the woods, and he's thinking, oh, mom's going to call me in. She's going to make me set the table and wash my hands and do all these things. I don't want to do that, so if I go deeper into the woods and I cannot hear her voice, then I'm not responsible, right? Right? How many of you moms have ever had that experience with your young kids? Well, thank you for that, Sharon. I'm good to know. See, Daniel. <laughs> oh, it was your brother, right? Yeah, it was your brother. Okay. But do we do the same thing with God? Do we think if I just don't seek him intensely enough, he can't ask more of me? So I kind of avoid God when it comes to serving. If I don't... I'm not praying very much. Maybe he won't ask me to do very much. You ever think that? Do you ever have that happen to you? You keep God at arm's length. That's example number two. We keep God at arm's length for fear he will ask too much. He might ask me to share 
my time. He might expect me to, to give my talents in, in service to his kingdom. He might even ask me to share my treasures, my dearly guarded possessions, my money. We don't want that, so we keep God at arm's length. Do you have a more one-sided relationship with God where you want his blessings, but when you're asked to offer yourself, you hide in the spiritual woods to avoid God? Don't raise your hand, but think about it. Maybe even a little. Is there ways you avoid God because you don't want to have to commit more? Then we're falling into the Malachi trap that he's addressing here. Many years ago, church organs, unlike our wonderful organ that we have, it had to be pumped by hand. Anybody even remember remember those days? So Donna remembers, Sharon remembers seeing. She wanted you to come and pump the organ, man, so that instead of hide in the woods. So you're pumping the organ, and so here we have this great organist who's coming, and he's going to do this wonderful concert, and the guy who's pumping the bellows gets sick and he can't pump the bellows. What's going to happen to the organ concert? And so there was a famous composer that was in the audience at the concert, and he stepped up and came forward to take the sick man's place so the concert could go on. Well, after the performance, a friend rebuked the composer and said, why would you stoop to do work beneath you? And the composer responded, beneath me? I love music so much that nothing I do for it is beneath me. Do you feel that way about God, about serving? And yes, you need to use your gift, but sometimes God asks, asks us to do hard things, to do monotonous things that we feel are monotonous at least. Do you have that same spirit in serving God? There's nothing that you wouldn't do for God. You don't consider anything beneath you. Are you sold out to God without any strings? Or maybe you need to cut some strings. I thought about giving each of you a little piece of string and having you kind of look at it and think, Am I, do I have a string I need to let go of? So imagine in your mind you have a string in your hand. And at the end of the message you can decide, Do I want to let go of the string I put on my serving and my worship and my giving and all these ways I approach God? Verse 13 of Malachi 1, and you say, what a burden, and you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, crippled, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. So the people are complaining that serving is a burden. Giving is a burden. It's too hard. It's too much effort. So they sniff disdainfully. Literally, it means they kind of blow out air. It's kind of that sigh. Oh, it's just such a burden. You want me to do what? You want me to serve in VBS? You want me to help with children's church? Yes, we do. But we sigh, it's too much, and sniff at it. Like, it's too hard. Why do you keep making us do all this stuff? It's a burden. They feel put upon. And they want everybody to know in these gestures, this this blowing out of the air, so everybody around them knows how hard it is. 
giver kind of. Maybe they're not literally sighing and rolling their eyes, but you can feel the resistance. Because it's kind of an infectious, complaining attitude, isn't it? Like, I shouldn't have to come to church and be asked all this stuff. So example number three is this attitude of complaining, example of half-hearted serving and approaching God. Complaining discourages others from serving God because we have a consumer mentality. I come to church to get something, to receive something, to be filled up, not to be asked to give out things. Do you ever have that? Because it's kind of a consumer attitude. I'm not saying you shouldn't get something in church, but maybe you want to be given more and not have something taken from you, like your time and your talents and your treasures. So complaining promotes a spirit of discouragement in a church. There was a wife who asked her constantly dissatisfied husband, she said, what, what would you like for breakfast, dear? And he grumbled to her, coffee, toast, and two eggs. One scrambled, one fried. Donna's horrified. Well, wait till you hear the rest. So the wife quickly gets the, gets the breakfast made, puts it before him, and he stares at it and goes, darned if you didn't scramble the wrong egg. <laughs> Do you ever come to church and think maybe that the wrong egg has been scrambled? This isn't the way it should be done. That's the wrong egg. You didn't do this song. You did it the wrong way. Do you serve or worship only if conditions are just like you want? You serve only if you can do things your way? Or you don't like how a song is done, so you don't sing or you sing half-heartedly? Are these ways that we attach strings to approaching God? These are hard questions for all of us, all of us. Half-hearted serving dishonors God. This is the attitude Malachi is addressing. When we are serving without strings, God can do a greater work in our hearts and using us in our community when we're yielded to him. When we say, okay, God, like we sang, we sang a hymn that said that very thing. Send me where you will, God. Where do you want me to go? I don't want to go there then you've put a string on. Well, I'll go when I'm ready. We put a string on. So how do we serve God? And if we were to serve him without strings, what could God do with our life? Verse 10, we're kind of skipping around a little in this Malachi passage, but this is the the last little section of the half-hearted serving dishonors God. In verse 10, it says, Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. Verse 12, but you profane it by saying of the Lord's table, it is defiled, and of its food, it is contemptible. Do you hear what God is saying? He would rather we just shut the doors to the church, lock them up, than to come here and serve half-heartedly. And now why would God say that? Isn't something better than nothing? Because what we are conveying to the people around us and in the community is that it's not that big a deal. We don't really have to serve that much. God's reputation, you know, he just takes whatever leftovers we give him. 
But that's not what God thinks. It reflects who God is poorly to the world when we're giving him our leftovers, when we're keeping him at arm's length so he doesn't ask too much of us, when we complain when we do serve because it's too much of an imposition. The world needs to see who God really is and what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that it isn't just something that we do in our spare time with our leftovers. It's really important. We don't want to convey to them God isn't that big of a deal, do we? So half-hearted serving dishonors God. Well, Malachi 1.11, my name will be great among the nations, God says, from the rising to the setting of the sun in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. (laughs) Even when we serve half-heartedly, God says, I'm going to make my name great and I can do it without you, but I'd sure like it if you came along. I'd sure like it if you were a part of, of sharing in my kingdom Verse 14, for I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. That's that reverential awe. And when we serve God wholeheartedly and we give without strings, we're saying, I honor and respect God and people notice it. So it says incense and pure offerings. These are are symbolic of worshiping God with a right attitude, with a wholehearted commitment. It's having everything in your life kind of falling under your relationship with God. It all flows out of that relationship. Now, doesn't that sound kind of extreme, what God's asking here? Doesn't that sound like it's too much, like he wants you to be a fanatic? Yes, it's extreme. Yes, you need to be a fanatic. I don't know if I've shared this example. One person defined a fanatic as somebody who loves Jesus more than you. God wants us to be fanatics for him. Not out of touch with reality, but everything we do comes under him and that relationship. My name will be great among the nations, he says. God's reputation will be great in power and in scope. And he just invites us to share in that, to be part of his kingdom greatness because we are not the center of the universe. That might come as a shock. It does to me. God is the center of the universe. And it isn't all about us and our comfort and our convenience. It's about how do we honor God with our life. So number two, wholehearted serving spotlights who God is. That word spotlights could be glorified. To glorify God means to shine a light on who God is and what he is like. So wholehearted serving shows off who God is. So how do we remove the strings of whole, I'm sorry, half-hearted approaching of God? We could start by asking ourselves some hard questions. First, am I focused more on lifting up God's name or advancing myself or protecting myself? What's more important, me or lifting up God's name? Question two, am I willing to give myself away for God's kingdom or am I protecting my resources of time and my talents and my treasures? I hoard them and give them out in little pieces, little leftover pieces. Do you know a few years ago they did a survey 
of the average evangelical, not the average churchgoer, the subsection of who we are, evangelicals, and ask them, you know, what percent of your income do you give to God? Now, in you know, we have the idea of a tithe in the Old Testament, which literally means 10%. And some have said that's kind of our baseline, our beginning point. The average evangelical in the surveys, and there were many of these surveys, is about 2.5%. We are a way far away from giving 10% of our income. Imagine that. And that's a hard subject. You come to church, one of the biggest complaints is they're always asking for money. But the Bible tells everything that you have is God's, and he's just asking you to be a steward. So, is a modern, this giving of our income, giving of our time, giving of our talents, and we're hoarding them, is this, could Malachi be talking to us today and not just to an Old Testament group of people coming back from exile a few generations earlier? Could this apply to us? There's a song by a group called Mercy Me who did... uh, I can only imagine, now they made a whole movie about it, but same group, and they have another song called Goodbye Ordinary. I want to read you some of the lyrics. I wonder when we first bought into this, so satisfied with status quo. Have we convinced ourselves that this is all there is? All that is within me says we were meant to break free. We were never meant to compromise, settle for mediocrity. This life was never meant to be a waste of time. All that is within me says, no more just existing. No more complacency, no more just settling this time. Goodbye to atrophy, for we were meant to be alive. So here's the chorus. So live like there's no tomorrow. Love extravagantly. Lead a life to be followed. Goodbye, ordinary. Goodbye, ordinary. Now, what would that look like in our life? Well, a Boston newspaper reported on a cleaning lady who had been cleaning the same office building for 40 years, the same routine tasks that she did for 40 years. And so she was interviewed one day, and the reporter asked, how can you stand the monotony and the boredom of doing the same thing day in and day out. And here's what the woman said in reply. Oh, I don't get bored. I use cleaning materials that God made. I clean objects that belong to the people God made. And I make, my, and I make life more comfortable for them. My mop is the hand of God. Think about that. Is your... Your tractor, the hand of God, your shovel, the hand of God, the steering wheel on your bus, the hand of God. What strings should you cut so you can place your spiritual offering, your time, your talents, your treasures in God's hands, all of who you are? So imagine you have that piece of string in your hand. Are you willing to offer it up to God and say, God, I'm cutting the strings? on my serving, on my giving, on my worshiping, on my approaching you. I'm going to just say, God, do with me what you will, just like we sang. Ask God, how would he have you share more of who you are in this coming year? Let's pray. Lord God, this is a hard one, Lord, because 
Our world around us is so busy and so frantic. It exhausts us. And we wonder where can we find the time. But Lord, show us how we serve you while we are doing all of these life activities, not just in addition to them. And yeah, Lord, you're going to ask, ask us to do some, some things, serving in this church, serving in the community, volunteering around Chewila and Stevens County with those who don't know Jesus, who have rough lives. Show us, Lord, how as we go about living our life, we can serve you wholeheartedly and not with conditions. Show us how to open our hearts to do the things you want us to do, even with people that don't know you. Show us where we can use our gifts, our time, our talents. Show us, Lord, how you want us to give our possessions, our money, to support your kingdom. So, Lord, show us how to integrate this into our life, not just as a side piece, but as the center of our life, so that we can apply the words of Malachi to our walk and shine who God is to those around us, and we will be just like a flame that attracts those in the darkness to come and get come to the light and get warm. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.